What is up, loyal listeners? Do I have a treat for you today? It's Halloween week. You guys know me, if you know me. That is, you know I love Halloween. I'll have, um, I mean, we're going to have like probably 15 Halloween decorations outside of my house on Saturday night. Stuff everywhere. We got cobwebs, spider webs, ghosts, goblins. We got it all. I love it. Love dressing up, doing all that. Also, I've always really been interested in paranormal stuff. I'm, I've never experienced anything, all that. I'm just interested in it. I think it's, I think it's fascinating. So I try and do this. I haven't done it every year, but I try and get like a real paranormal investigator on either my radio shows or whatever around Halloween uh, to, to chat about this stuff. Before I get into today's guest, I want to thank our sponsor, Mechdyne, and I want you to check out mechdyne.com. And this is for all of you, uh, brutal economy out there right now. Are you looking to make a change? If you go to mechdyne.com and you go to the careers page and then you click on job listings, you can see all of the great opportunities available at Mechdyne. I know a handful of people who work there. I know the CEO. I know it's a phenomenal company. They are headquartered in Marshalltown here in Iowa but they have job listings all over, not just the country, all over the world for different types of, of work. You don't just have to be a mechanical engineer or a um, AV technology guy to work at Mechdyne. You could do get into marketing. They've got desk jobs everywhere from Marshalltown, Iowa to remote work. You can do, um, you can be an account manager and work from home. They have great opportunities at Mechdyne and I personally recommend that company. So I had a conversation with a woman by the name of Katie Hopkins and she is a 2010 graduate from the University of Northern Iowa. She lives over in Eastern Iowa right now and she is a published author and she has three books on uh, paranormal, on her paranormal investigations. Uh, I'll read them to you real quick if you'd like to potentially buy them. Iowa Haunted Corridor is one that she wrote with her husband. The other one is called Visions from the Afterlife. And another one is called Seen Spirits, Opening the Empathic Door. Katie Hopkins is the author and she joins me today on the Chris Williams podcast to talk about her experiences. What all do we get into? That's a loaded question. Well, one, her experiences, obviously. Questions that I've always had regarding this stuff. And what does she say to skeptics? I guarantee some of you right now are like, this is stupid. Why am I listening to this? And that's cool. I think you should listen to Katie. Just open your mind a little bit. Why not? What else are you doing? Katie's really cool, and I'm going to take her and her husband up on the invitation to come and join them and do a little investigating at some point, probably this spring once football and basketball seasons are over and things calm down. But she's been all over the world investigating uh, the paranormal, and this is just a fascinating, fascinating conversation. I told her that I probably could have interviewed her for four hours because that's this is just a thing where it's like, do I... Again, I've never taken the time to go on an investigation, so clearly I'm not that into it, but I also find like it's really interesting to me. It's always been interesting to me. I remember grandma telling me stories about her farm growing up, 
I just I'm interested in it. It's it's really 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 cool to talk to somebody who is so passionate about it and who has you know you know dedicated basically her her life to this. It's really awesome. So I'm going to introduce her right now, Katie Hopkins, uh, an Iowa native who is super into this stuff, and she's going to teach us all everything, all all something here today on the Chris Williams podcast. Thanks for listening. All right, guys. Well, let's bring on Katie Hopkins. I'm I'm excited for this. I uh, I'm kind of a nut about this stuff. I just got done reading a book on Ferrar Elementary. So, Katie, uh, I just I live like ten minutes from there, and okay. I read some book on it. And then a buddy of mine went to elementary school there, and he got us in there, and we went in and kind of did like our own little investigation. But we didn't really do anything. Like I, I, I want to go on a go like a real like ghost hunt with you sometime. So, so now that we're buddies, I'm gonna have to tag along with you and your husband. Is that cool? That sounds good. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's tell the audience a little bit about you, because um, you're fascinated. I, I did about an hour of research on your bio before you came on here, and it's it's really really fascinating stuff. How did you get into this field? Yeah, so really, I mean, my paranormal adventures really started uh, when I was 10 years old. Um, I saw my first full body apparition. And um, at that point, when I was 10, I didn't, you know, take it and run with it like I would have today. But uh, that really started me being curious in the paranormal. But I really got involved in it um, in February of 2012, when I worked for the Grout Museum in Waterloo, Iowa, I was the manager of the Rensselaer Russell House Museum that is a part of that museum district. Uh, old Victorian home built in the early 1860s, um, lots of history there. And I would be in that house by myself eight hours a day and uh, would hear footsteps upstairs. I'd hear, you know, rustling out in the kitchen area that was right off of my office. Um, I would hear voices in the house, just so many different things. Um, and so I ended up calling up a paranormal team that was local to the Cedar Falls area where I lived and um, asked them, said, Hey, you know, I'm, I manage, you know, the house. Are you guys willing to come and investigate? And they were. So uh, I got to tag along that evening and that really kicked off my my uh, paranormal adventures. <laughs> Just having that history background and really loving to research, but then having experiences of my own um, as an adult. And, and of course, I watched the ghost shows uh, prior to that, too. So those got me interested as well. But yeah. uh, that's really what, what drew me in. So you go on this um, hunt. I, I don't know if you, I don't know if the, your industry has a different way of phrasing it. I don't want to, you with, with these people, with these investigators of this house that you spend a lot of time in, what was that first experience like? Oh man. Oh, it was just breathtaking really. Um, I mean, just so many things I had made such a connection with the family of the Renzler Russell family, um, that had lived in the house, you know, for years and, um, you know, spiritually, I guess, made a connection with them. So being able to use the different devices and things to actually communicate with them, um, it was really just, it's really hard to even just explain. There's just no word for it to, to say the feelings that I had. I mean, the, the baby grand piano that was in there, um, it was Lillian Russell and that was the daughter of Rensler Russell. So Rensler built the home and, um, it played on its own one note played on its own. And it was wow. just, just kind of like, yep, 
I'm telling you I'm here and it just clicked one note. And I mean, there's video out there of that. And, uh, it was, um, it, it was clearly kept me into the field to this day. So it was pretty impactful. <laughs> Let's go back to when you were 10, you said you saw a full body apparition when you were 10 years old. Tell me about that. Yeah. So I was over at, um, our neighbor's house, uh, their grandson used to go there a lot. And my brother and I would go over there and play with him. And, um, we were in their basement and they had a rocking chair in their basement. And I just saw an old man rocking back and forth in, uh, the chair. I didn't really know what to think about it at that point. I was 10. I didn't really think about ghosts at that point in time in my life. And, um, I, you know, reflected on it later on and I'm like, holy crap, I saw a full-bodied apparition when I was 10 years old. I didn't even really say anything to my parents at that time. I honestly don't even know if I thought it, knew it was a ghost, uh, you know, when I was 10 years old. But, you know, looking back on it, reflecting on it, um, it, it was. And uh, it was just a really, you know, at 10 years old, you're playing, you're having fun. You see this elderly man rocking back and forth in a rocking chair. I was like, okay cool. <laughs> and I, and I kind of went on with, with my, my life, um, and didn't really get involved into the paranormal clearly. I mean, in the early nineties and whatnot, it wasn't a phenomenon like it is today. And, yeah. uh, it was just an experience that I had to grow up a little bit to really understand it. Well, yeah. And you're 10, right? Like, yeah. what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, Man, so there's so many, there's so many, I, for what it's worth, Katie, I hope you enjoy this because I want to have like five podcasts with you because I, I could go forever on this stuff. I, so I know, um, you know, I talk to people, is, is do you believe, because I've heard the theory when you talk to some of these investigators that, because the full body apparition in your world is super rare, right? Like that doesn't oh. happen very often. Do they show themselves to kids more because it's less threatening? Is that a theory that you all have? Yeah. You know, I don't know if it's necessarily the less threatening. I think it's the mind of a child is more susceptible and more vulnerable um, to not necessarily process what they're seeing. Um, I mean, cause children are more susceptible, more vulnerable to the paranormal. It's cause they don't have their minds created and, and yeah. scoped this field to really dissect it like we do. And, um, I mean, my child for, for instance, uh, he will be four the day before Halloween, of course. And, uh, he's got that's a great fitting. birthday. That's fitting. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Your mom and dad, and, that, that's perfect. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. My husband always told me, you know, you should have just held on for 24 more hours. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. Easier, easier said than done, man. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, so, uh, he has been in the house, the Horridge house, which, um, is a home that my husband and I run the paranormal tours for. And he said that he's seen things and he was maybe two and a half going just about going on three when he said these things. So just knowing that, um, children just, they haven't had that molded mind of, um, the shows and the research and all of that. So they're definitely more susceptible to hear things, see things, um, and really have more of those abilities to, to see the paranormal. Okay. I want to get into some, uh, some more of your experiences and stuff, but I, so the people need to know you met your husband on a investigation, right? I did. 
Yes. <laughs> that, I mean, that's, that's just so phenomenal. Like I yeah. tell me about like, what did you guys, was it love at first sight? Like what, how, how did that, how did that turn into a marriage? You meet this guy who's giving ghost tours. Like that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so yeah, back in September of 2012, uh, my husband was the, he was the one that managed the paranormal investigations out at Edinburgh Manor. Um, his uncle owns the building. So Josh had basically, Josh was the one that got the building opened up for, for paranormal tours. And, um, I went there with a different team. Josh was the tour guide and, uh, I was like, Oh, he's cute. <laughs> and so, um, so yeah, so I, that's how I met him. We did not start dating though for about another year and a half to two years. Um, after meeting, he actually reached out to me, um, Oh, probably a month or two after I had met him and he had another building that he, he knew I loved history, knew I was a good researcher, all that. So he reached out, asked if I'd research another building for him and then, um, you know, go investigate. And really we, we became friends. We were friends for about a year and a half and then, um, decided that, Oh, you know, I think we should probably start this dating thing. And, um, and we, uh, got married in, in May of 2017. So we've been married for five years and we have two kids. And you damn near timed out the <laughs> Halloween baby. Damn. That would have exactly. been perfect. That would have been perfect. That's uh, close enough. We'll give it, we'll cut you some slack. That's, that's a great story. That's a really cool story. And it leads me into, um, again, I've never, I don't think I've ever experienced anything. Okay. Like I, I just have it, but I've done enough research on it and I've had like a very open mind. I've talked with people. I, this is how I look at this, like with skeptics. And I'm sure you talk to skeptics and hear from skeptics and whatever and anything. I always say to the skeptics, like not all of these people are crazy. Like I'm sure some people are making this stuff up. Like I, I guarantee that, but that's the case with anything. Not everybody is crazy. And I don't even necessarily know, like, I'm not the guy that's like, Oh, I have to experience it. No, I, I just, I believe people like you. I don't think you're coming on here and lying to us. I don't think you set it up to have, um, you know, something mysterious hit a piano key so that you could go and lie to everybody and tell people, Oh, look, there's a ghost there. How do you deal with that? Because, um, I guess like say, I'm just very interested. I've never experienced it. I hope I do. I think it'd be kind of cool. But how do you deal with that on a daily basis? Somebody's so passionate about this field. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. We've had skeptics come to our events before. I mean, we we meet them everywhere, and it's really the point of you say, well, why why not believe? You know, it's it's a belief, and it's something that that we believe in. It's something that we research. It's something we spend a lot of time um, and effort on trying to gather evidence and you know portray or. or give the, um, you know, let people understand that, no, that wasn't me whispering in the audio recorder that, you know, I want myself to leave, (laughs) things like that. Um, you know, we really just take it with a grain of salt. Uh, you know, we tell them we understand you're somebody that doesn't believe if you have an experience and it changes your mind, that's great. If you don't have an experience and you leave here the same way you came, that's completely up to you. I'll have my beliefs. You have your beliefs. Um, and you know, there's some people who will continue to dwell and, and, you know, try to make us sound like you said, crazy or things like that. And we just have to kind of push it to the back and not really go with their comments. Cause, um, if everybody listened to the skeptics, there wouldn't be this wonderful field that we're in and trying to, uh, you know, keep, keep going. But, um, we, yeah, we just really have, we tell them to try to keep an open mind. If you can keep an open mind, 
that's more than likely, you know, you're going to have some sort of experience. Um, if you don't keep an open mind and you block yourself off, you're probably not going to, you're going to think that, you know, the board being thrown across the room over there was somebody throwing a board across the room when there's nobody else down there, you know, we set it up, but, uh, it's, yeah, it, it, there's really not, not much to, to say too far beyond, yeah. beyond that. Well, that's a, that's we, a good attitude to have and yeah. surround yourself with positive people who, uh, you can be open with and just be yourself. I, I think that's awesome. So let me ask you this. You, you are a, a, an empath. Is that, sure. Yeah. I, I was reading about this in your bio. What, what is the definition of that for people who've never heard of that term? Yeah. So an empath, what you're able to do as an empath, um, it's really just somebody who is sensitive to energies, sensitive to the things around them. Um, it doesn't even have to be a, a spirit that you can feel around you. I always describe an empath as you walk into a room full of people and you walk into a room full of people who are having like the worst day of their life. And you can just, it's that tension. You can feel that tension, how they say you can cut, couldn't cut the tension with a knife. Um, it, it's kind of just that sense where you just feel those energies. And some people have um, more empathic ability than others. So some people walk in and they can feel that tension. Some others walk in and they don't know what's going on. They can't feel it at all. Um, so that really relates into the paranormal as you can just feel those different energies, energy shifts around you. Um, that's how I would describe empathic ability. It's not a psychic. It's not a medium. Um, I can't sit here and have a spirit, you know, channel a spirit to come and talk to me. I cannot do that. Um, when I am on an investigation, there are certain things that will just pop into my mind or pop into my head. Um, it could be a spirit trying to manipulate that way of just giving me different clues um, or different signs of things. Uh, but I don't physically see or can hear spirit. It's just more of an energy sense. Okay. With that in your experience, one of the notes that I, that I really wanted to question you on, do you, do you think like how, how prevalent do you think spirits are? I guess like, because not everybody, from what I'm gathering, you don't believe everybody, if you're not open to it, you probably won't witness it, et cetera. Like, are they just walking around? Like, are they just hanging around? Like, right? Like, how how prevalent in daily life? Like, could there be a spirit here in my room, right, in my office, and I don't know about it? Like, how, what, what is just your opinion on it? Oh, that's a good question. Um I mean, I think that spirits walk among us. Do I feel like there's a spirit sitting here next to me right now? No. Um, I think it's just really the place and time that you're in. Um, sorry, there's a gnat flying around here. Um, <laughs> or it's a spirit. Yeah, I was no. going to say, I hope it's not a spirit, but yeah. <laughs> you led me into um, it. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, I think when you go into it, I think it really just depends on where you are, what you're doing. Are you trying to communicate with spirits for as much, you know, for them to be around and where you're at. Um, like I said, I don't feel like there's one sitting next to me now. I don't feel like there's any spirits in my house. When I go to the horrid house and the train depot. Yeah. I feel like there's spirits around cause that's you can the just, setting. For you me. can feel it when you walk in there. Yeah. Yeah. And not every time. I mean, there's times we go in and, and it feels like there's nothing around. And then there's times we go in and we can't even go through, you know, the kitchen door because the energy is so thick and, and, um, Sometimes it feel like the greatest energy. So 
you know, to say that, you know, when you're out and about at the grocery store, if there's a spirit following you, I don't necessarily think that could be the case. Um, it, you could, but I don't know, you know, don't think that it's something that that would be there on a daily basis. Um, and then you can really get crazy and, and dive into residual versus intelligent spirits too. And then, you know, if you're in a location like the depot, there's a lot of residual energy there, which means it's just like a record player, player playing consistent on a day, um, in history. Um, one other, you know, quote, I guess I'll, I'll say is from a good friend of ours named Jeff Belanger, and he's actually the writer and researcher for the show Ghost Adventures and has done so many different things. Um, he, one of his quotes is, is great. He says, history is just one big ghost story and it's just history demanding to be remembered. So if you think about that and you think of, uh, historical places and, places where a lot of events happened. For example, um, you know, anything dealing with war history, civil war, world war one, world war two, there definitely could be a lot of spirits roaming around in those areas. If you think about the different mm -hmm. history that's, that's happened there. But, um, for me to just be sitting here and, and thinking there's a ton of spirits around me, I don't, I don't think that's necessarily true. Okay. So when I went to Farrar and, and we get, we went in broad daylight and it was just me and my, my buddy TJ and his wife. And it was kind of a neat deal. They went to elementary school at Farrar elementary. So they like, yeah. I took a picture of them in the room that they used to, like, I didn't feel anything. Like I felt like we were just, it, I was never once like, Oh, like I, you know, and I, I've read all the books and like, I'm like, Oh, is the temperature going to change? And like, I, you know, <laughs> but we went at like noon. Um, yeah. Let me ask you this. So like, do you, when you, when you do investigate, why is, why is darkness the way to go? Cause it seems like you guys never like, Oh, I'm going to go check this place out at three in the afternoon. What is it you think about the darkness that leads to, you know, action for la lack of a better term? Yeah. I don't necessarily believe that. <laughs> to be oh, great. I'm gonna okay. Flip this a little bit. Um, I've had experiences in broad daylight. So um, when I worked at the Russell House, I you know I was there during the day. Um, I wasn't there typically at night working. I mean, we did investigations, but I think really it's just we it's the investigation itself has gotten that portrayal that it should happen at night. Um, we have had people do day investigations at the locations we run. Um, I think because the darkness sets the tone a little bit um, yeah. for people as well. Um, but it's also you get into the witching hour and all of that when spirits are supposed to have their the most energy. Um, it, it's really I, I don't necessarily believe that you have to investigate in in the nighttime. I, like I said, I think it just sets the mood for a lot of people. And um, I guess that's when people are off work too, <laughs> uh, to be able to do do things in that nature. But um, I, spirit activity can happen at 8 a.m. it can happen at three in the morning it it's whenever that spirit wants to to interact it's it's not necessarily because it's dusk it's the dark or you know it's getting dark that spirits are now going to come out they could have been out two hours ago it's just that's the tone and the mood i think that the field has set um okay. for investigating okay believe so you, that you were you were talking about um kind of just different types of spirits and how they react to things. So what is your, like in my, we all have like our own like styles and, and, and how we do things. Like if you go in and start like cursing and like being aggressive with the spirit, like by, is that going to, is it going to react differently 
to you? Does it depend? Like, walk me through that because I, I can't help but think that they're, you know, if they're intelligent, which are the mm-hmm. ones that we're kind of trying to get evidence on all the, not all the time. There's the residual ones too, but how do you, how do you go about it? You ever go in there and be like, damn it. I've been here three hours. Show yourself. <laughs> right. Like we've seen the guys on the TV shows do that. Like walk me through that. Yeah, no, we definitely do not um, condone provoking at all. We, we, uh, we always tell people, especially those who are new into the field, come to our events or if we're giving any type of presentation, provoking is not the way to go. It's going to either, it's going to make the spirits mad and they're going to walk away from you. They're not even going to communicate with you Two, you're, you're setting yourself up to possibly be hurt. Um, you know, in, in any way, I mean, whether a spirit decides, okay, you're a jerk, I'm now going to take over you and I'm going to make you do stupid things. Um, or, it's just not, we always tell people to think of a spirit as a living person. They were once here on this earth. They're not a demon. They're not, um, you know, they're, they were a living person. They were an actual person just like you and me. And now they're just in a different realm. They are not here on the physical earth or physical world anymore. So that's what we always try to tell people, um, to think of a spirit and then how would you want them to, and if you were a spirit on the other side, how would you want somebody to interact with you? Do you want them yelling, a bunch of swear words and cuss words at you and telling them that you're going to beat them up and all this stuff. If you don't come out and show yourself, no, you don't want that. We have had a lot more success. Um, when we are calm collected, um, when we are asking questions about the spirit, when they were in this physical world, whether that be, um, you know, we're asking them, uh, you know, tell me, tell me what your favorite book was, you know, it depends on, you know, where we are and we'll, we'll try to set the tone that way, but it's more or less um, trying to find those commonalities and those interests that that person could have had to try to get them to talk. Because if somebody comes just like you and I, you're going to come talk to me about spirits. I'm going to talk your ear off. (laughs) You come talk to me about something that I don't have interest in. I'm going to probably be quiet. So that's what we really try to do to gather up a lot more spirit activity and to, to get, the spirits to communicate. Okay. You said something in there, uh, which, which is, you led me into, you said in between referencing a, a spirit. So why is it, I'm asking you an impossible question, but I'd like your opinion on it. What, why is a spirit a spirit? It's a great question. And I actually used to give lectures on this. Um, you know, how does somebody become a spirit and not everybody does. Um, you know, my grandfather passed away almost five years ago, and I don't believe he's a spirit. Do I feel he can give us signs from where he's at? Yes. Um, but I don't feel like I could interact with him as him as a spirit because he's more than likely crossed over that. You'll hear that term a lot in the paranormal field. Um, take with it what you will. A lot of people have different definitions, but he didn't have a reason to stay back in the realm of a spirit world. Um, he was 92. Uh, so he, he died of old, you know, he was elderly. Now somebody who dies of a traumatic, um, accident, somebody who, um, you know, dies of cancer, um, something that took somebody from this world before they were meant to go. That's kind of how I think of people going into that spirit realm or that, that, that area where they're still able to communicate with us physically here. Um, I always draw a diagram too. And I'm thinking of my diagram, like here's us in this living physical world. 
then here's the next realm of, you know, the spirit world. And then there's another realm of those who are not in the spirit world, but they're still able to send signs from, you know, afar. So my, I guess my definition of, of a spirit would just be somebody who hasn't crossed and still, if you ever watched the movie Casper, unfinished business. <laughs> so yeah. we talk a lot. So do you believe that once you're a spirit, you're always a spirit or, the, or can they be like, Hey, uh, all right, I'm good here now and cross over. Yeah. Yeah. We've had, um, you know, I've, I've known of people, we don't do it personally ourselves because we don't feel we have the necessary training for it. Um, but we do know of people who have helped spirits cross over. How do they know they cross over? Honestly, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, they say they don't feel their energy anymore. Um, but it, I, I do feel that you can help spirits cross, um, that don't want to be in that room. So much to go from that. So I, I identify as a Christian. A lot Mm -hmm. of people who also identify as Christians think that we're crazy for talking about this. And like, I kind of think that's a little hypocritical based off of the entire, like Jesus, like the whole Bible is faith. Right. Like, do you have an opinion on this? Like, I'm not trying to offend people, but I, to me that like, we're kind of walking in the same, we're kind of swimming in the same pond here. In my opinion. I'm with you. I'm, I'm a Christian as well. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I've gotten people who have told us, you know, we do the devil's work and I'm like, no, we don't, we don't try to conjure up demons. We don't, that's the last thing I want to come across. Um, (laughs) we, uh, you know, we're trying to just, it's just a, um, it's just a field that is interesting, you know, and, and it's something that we can't explain if we'll ever be able to explain it. That's another question, but, um, and you're right. Yeah. It, it does kind of, it's cause you know, we, we, the father, the son and the Holy spirit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think it just depends on the person, their belief. Um, some people will say it's disrespectful what, you know, what the paranormal field does, but that's not the case of what we're trying to do at all. Um, in other cases, you know, we were being, I can only speak for so many too. You know, we are respectful going into our investigations. Not everybody is, as we've already kind of mentioned those who are, you know, ones who like to go and provoke, but, um, there are teams out there that consider themselves Christian based teams. Uh, I don't know necessarily. I think it's just cause they are Christians and they don't use any type of Christian methods or anything, but um, it's a, uh, it gets really sticky and muddy when it comes to, to yeah. comparing this field with that. But yeah, I mean, we're respectful and um, unfortunately the ones that aren't get more of the attention uh, than the ones that are. Okay, so you also mentioned um, if you go in and you're you're highly aggressive, mm-hmm. um, you, you you use the phrase "take over you," and I've this is fascinating to me. Have you seen that? Like, have you seen a spirit like get inside of a human before? I have, and it's creepy. <laughs> um, when and we weren't even provoking or anything like that. Um, one of our friends, uh, though, was very she. She liked the dark stuff. She liked, it was, it was really interesting and she's not like that anymore, but she was really just, uh, wanted to see what could happen, I guess. So she basically opened herself up and said, Hey, I'm here. Use me, use me to communicate. Um, 
And there's actually a video on this uh, on YouTube on our, our page. Um, I think it's still out there. And she um, all of a sudden her face just went blank. And, and I was talking to her and I'm like, her name was Brittany and she won't care that I mentioned her name. She, she talks about this to this day. Um, and I kept trying to talk to her and she wouldn't talk to me. And then finally she snapped out of it and looked over at me and was like, Hmm. And it wasn't her. I was just like, this is really awkward. I don't like it. And we were in a place that had some pretty dark history. Um, I'm sorry. You're going to hear my dog being no, mine was just right. barking too. That's weird. Okay. No, you're good. Don't worry about I'm it. Not, no. Fa- family uh, show. But, yeah. So we ended up, uh, I called the, I said, guys, we got to get her out of here. This isn't, this isn't right. She's usually a really funny, peppy kind of person. And, I was like, we got to get her out of here. And we had to basically drag her down these stairs um, to get her to leave this location. And we we ended up taking her to a church parking lot. Um, One of our friends had some stones with him. And so he put those in her hand and he said uh, St. Michael's prayer a few times. And she finally was like, she looked at us. She's like, why are we in a church parking lot right now? She didn't know that we left. And I trust her. I don't feel like she was faking this in any way. Um, if I can find that video, I'll gladly send it to you. Um, so you just kind of see the look on her face. Um, and we did catch some really creepy EVPs during this time too. Uh, that really kind of adds up to, uh, the whole situation, but it's not fun to see somebody being taken over, um, like that. And you really just are kind of at a loss of what to do. Have you ever had a like physical contact? Have you ever... Cause you hear about, um, you know, sometimes you'll, your hair will get pulled or whatever. What do you have any experiences like that? Oh yeah. I, I would say the most common things that you're going to run into on an investigation are going to be, um, audio. So hearing things and then also, uh, getting touched because the spirits actually, so sorry. It's fine. <laughs> the spirits actually physically manifest themselves, um, is very difficult for them to do. Sometimes it's even hard for them to, to give an EVP an electronic voice phenomenon. And, um, so a lot of the times you'll get touch, you'll feel the energy shifts and then you're going to catch the audio. Uh, I've been bitten on the back of my arm. I've been scratched. Um, I've been slapped across the face. (laughs) Um, it's, it's kind of interesting because I had a hand mark on my face one time. That actually happened at the Russell House, the Rensselaer Russell House Museum. Uh, so, yeah, I would definitely say that's one of the common things that, that can happen to you. So do you think the, the ghost that slapped you was angry at you? I don't know. Um, I really, it could have been. Um, I feel like it was probably one of the male presents uh, that were in the Russell house. And maybe they were like, why are you bringing these people in here to search for us? It could have been something like that. Um, because back in the Victorian era, slapping a woman probably wasn't as frowned upon as it would be today. Um, and so it could have been just something like that. I honestly don't know who or why (laughs) they did that. My face burnt after it too. I just had that burning sensation on my, my face. What, when have you been like the most scared? I guess. Like, have you ever felt like physically like threatened? Like, Oh no, like I gotta get out of here. Oh yeah. Um, Josh and I have had multiple experiences like that. Um, a lot at Edinburgh manor, uh, one that's an undisclosed location, um, out 
near uh, Buchanan County. Um, and then also at the Horridge House, when we run now, um, we've had, we, I mean, those are all pretty significant drives for us. We live in Cedar Rapids. And so 35 minutes to Vinton, or if we go to uh, Edinburgh, that's a 45 minute drive. And, and we've driven to these places with every intent to investigate. And then we walk in the door and the energy is just so thick and heavy that we couldn't even get past, like I've said, you know, earlier the kitchen door. And um, so we just turn around and either we'll go research or we'll go sit in our car <laughs> and, and wait to see if anything changes. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I would say the ones that have felt the most threatening though, are the, the undisclosed location and um, probably Edinburgh, just because the history and the nature of the spirits that could be there. Um, we always say safety in numbers too. And a lot of the times Josh and I were the only ones there. And with just us two there, uh, if something happens to one of us, it would be really difficult to help each other. Um, so yeah, there's definitely been places that, uh, have had those ominous feelings that you shouldn't be there. And you can sense that when you walk in the door. Not all the time, right? When you walk through the door, um, sometimes it's, you give it a little bit, uh, and then it happens. Um, it could be right when you walk in the door and the energy just hits you, you know, like a ton of bricks or, uh, you know, you could be there for 10 minutes and then all of a sudden the energy shift changes again. Uh, it, it really just kind of depends on what's going on and, and when they want you to feel that. Okay. So based on like talks with your colleagues and, and stuff, like, I mean, it, like how, how threatening can these things get? I guess, like, I mean, has anybody's life ever been in danger? Right. Like stuff like that. Like how, I know that's a loaded question, but I, I'm just fascinated by it. Yeah. Um, personally, our lives have never been in danger. Um, I can't say that people out there haven't had their lives in danger, but I also don't know what they are doing to create the energy that they're getting. Yeah. Um, I know very well that there was a, you know, I'm sure you've heard of the one in Villisca, the guy stabbed himself. Um, he lived, but, uh, I mean, there's those instances. I can't say whether or not that was a spirit that did that. I'm not claiming it was, I know they did claim it was. Um, but I think it just depends on where you're at, what you're dealing with. I mean, if you end up coming across a demonic experience, um, sure. I mean, I think you definitely could be in danger. Um, if you are in locations like we go to, I don't feel we come across those and we don't, we don't invite that in either. Um, we are very careful and cautious. Uh, we've come across malevolent spirits, nothing that could hurt us in any way to a physical or, um, anything that would, would cause a lot of harm to us. Uh, we've felt spirits that, we didn't want to be around and we ended up leaving. Uh, I think it's knowing your limits too. Do the and if you push them, do, do the spirits ever follow you? Like, is that a thing? They can. Um, yeah. Josh has had one follow him before, uh, prior to me. Um, and nothing in our house, thankfully, <laughs> but That's good. They, yeah. I, th I think they can. Um, there was one from Edinburgh Manor that he believes followed him around. Uh, we believe a spirit from Edinburgh still follows us when we go on investigations. It's kind of a weird situation um, where it's almost like he knows we're going on an investigation and he wants us to talk to him. So he's there and we just kind of feel his energy hmm. uh, in our 
home though. We've never felt anything follow us to our house. Um, but I think if you don't take the proper precautions, you know, when you're leaving and, um, really kind of put that bubble around yourself that you definitely could be vulnerable enough to take spirits on with you. I feel like I'd be that guy. <laughs> it's just going to happen to me. It's just yeah. <laughs> my, my dad, my dad actually, uh, <laughs> crazy enough. He did all the lawn care at Velisca for, oh, wow. yeah, for a long time. And he got to know Johnny and like all those. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and he, he heard, he heard a lot of stories and just didn't, you know, you just didn't know. Um, but there's theories around Velisca about those, those kids there being so tired of being hunted by people like you that they've mm-hmm. moved around the neighborhood and, and stuff like oh. that. Do you believe in like any, like that type of a deal? Oh yeah. I mean, I definitely think that spirits can, um, can move around. Uh, a lot of the haunting at the, the Horridge house, and I just refer to this one cause it's the most recent of what we, we deal with. Um, even things that move around the community, the event, but also that are attached to the artifacts there, um, uh, stay within there. But yeah, I definitely think that as long as they're not, um, trapped in a certain location, I think they can move around just as much as we do. <laughs> okay. So where is Iowa at on as far as ghosts go? Like, are we, as far as the community goes with the paranormal investigators and it just, uh, is it a, I don't know if prestigious is the word, but our state in general, like how haunted is Iowa compared to, I would assume that the East coast has a ton of paranormal act because it's the oldest, but that's just yeah. my assumption. Cause I know in reading your bio, you believe a lot, it's all on history. And that's why you have such a historical um, knowledge of these places before you go in there. But where does Iowa rank? Are we, are we a haunted state? Are we, what do you think? That's a question. Yeah, I think we are. Um, you know, I think that we've got a lot of people interested in this field, um, that it does bring a lot of attention to the paranormal here. Um, we, I mean, we have a lot of great locations uh, that you can go to some, um, you know, we've got Squirrel Cage Jail all the way over in Western Iowa, Malvern Manor, which is not far from, from Villisca. Um, and, and we've got, you know, our locations around here. Um, I definitely think we're a haunted state. Um, I'm with you. I believe the East Coast is probably more haunted uh, than we are just because they have just a much richer background of history than, than we do. Um, and if you go off of history being one big ghost story, that kind of explains why. Uh, but definitely, I mean, I think we definitely would rank in the top 10 for, for haunts and at least interest in paranormal. Okay. Yeah, that, that answers my – I've heard Malvern's nasty, by the way. My Southwest oh. Iowa people say that that like that those spirits are like they're hardcore. That's just what my people have told me. Do you, have you investigated there? Yeah, we have twice. Um, our our good friend owns it, uh, Josh Hurd, and um, it is. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a plethora of spirits in that building. Um, some that are calm and easy, and some that are not. Uh, and the stories behind the people that were there is just fascinating. Um, just for example, one of them, her name was Gracie and she was a, uh, schizophrenic multiple personality. And they, I want to say the record was close to 20 voices or personalities being heard. And she was at, I think 13. 
um, where they would run down to her room because they would hear this male's voice coming from her room, but she was the only one in there. Uh, And they still have her glasses in her room. And so it's kind of, through the eyes of Gracie, you know, it's, it's interesting, but yes, Malvern is, um, is a great location for paranormal investigators. Uh, one of our favorites, we, we really love it there. Uh, it's creepy. It's very what, creepy. What, what about Velisca? I kind of feel like that's maybe the most famous in Iowa cause it's got movies and, uh, but it's a teeny tiny little house. I mean, if you ever walk in there, it's just, there's not much to it. What experiences, have you had much action there? The first time we went, yes, we, we had a lot of more personal experiences than the second time. Um, the first time we went, uh, it was just Josh and I, uh, we went just us two and, uh, we, at one point we couldn't even go up the stairs to, to the bedrooms, um, just because the energy was so heavy and again, didn't really feel safe. Um, we ended up getting kind of that sulfur smell, uh, and we didn't care for that either. So we ended up leaving the house, going out to the barn and we didn't smell it when we first got out to the barn and then it followed us into the barn. Um, so that was really interesting. Just had some really weird ghost box things coming across to, uh, and then the second time we went, we caught more on our devices than we had personal experiences. We, we did catch a few shadow figures, um, one in Ina and Lena's room and then one in the kitchen area. Um, but yeah, Velisca, you know, I think it definitely gets a type from what happened there. Of course, it's still an unsolved murder to this day. Um, it was probably one of the first hauntings in Iowa that people really knew about. I know I knew about it before I was in the paranormal field and wanted to go visit. Um, but it's, yeah, I would say it definitely gets its height and it's, it's momentum from the unfortunate events that took place there. Do you ever do Ouija boards? We have, um, we don't do them very often. <laughs> say the last time we did was at Malvern. Um, <laughs> Actually, Josh heard, uh, we don't, we don't have one. Um, but Josh heard did have one in his, um, office and we said, Hey, you want to leave that out for us? And he did. Uh, I did not touch it. Um, my husband and one of our friends did, and it was weird. Uh, really weird energy. K2 was going off with it. So it was just, um, I was like, yeah, we just need to stop. Uh, but how we really try to describe a Ouija board, though, is if you're using a spirit box, you're really doing the same thing as an Ouija board. It's just you're doing it through a spirit box rather than touching a planchette on a board. Okay, what is a spirit um, box for people who don't know? Yeah, a spirit box is the radio uh, that will scan different frequencies of radio in a milligauss, so it goes really fast. Um, and it's really just white noise coming through, and the spirits are said to be able to use that to speak through it. Okay. Uh, device. Um, so that we, we don't use them often. Uh, like I said, Malvern was the last time, and that was over a year ago, that we've, we've used one. We be careful. We're, we're typically pretty careful with that stuff. So... I wanted to talk to you about Farrar because that's the place that I was just at. And I've seen stuff. I've read stuff. Again, I was there for an hour. Nothing happened, but I wasn't really trying either. It was more of a historical thing where my friend's like showing me, hey, this is where we uh, this is where we had gym class and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. What a, that that place is really interesting if you um, do any research because there's no like killings. There's no like death there. There's not a lot of history other than a bunch of kids went to 
this building and then they closed it down and now it's supposedly haunted. Like what? Uh, and that's probably the most famous here in central Iowa. I would, I would think as far as that goes, where a lot of our, our listeners are at, what did you mm-hmm. have any experiences when you went there? Yeah, gosh, I've been to Ferrar multiple times. Um, you know, the first time being in, uh, 2012, it was right around this time actually. And, um, we do. Yeah. I mean, we have experiences up in the auditorium area, uh, different energy shifts up there. I've actually, interestingly enough, walked out of that room crying, um, just because of a, a spirit that was just really present there. And it was just one that I didn't care for. It's interesting. I'm not a crier. I don't cry very easily. So if I'm crying on an investigation, you know, there's a spirit manipulating the energy enough to, to do that to me. Um, we have, I mean, I've seen a board be thrown across the room there. I've seen a board fly across the floor, a door slam shut there. Um, so yeah, I have had quite a few instances there. I, you know, a lot of the haunting though, you know, previously it was that there was a janitor or somebody there that had abused children. Um, and they use that story quite often. I don't, they say there's docket and I'm not trying to, um, disrespect in any way, but they say there's documentation on all of this. I never could find any, which you think a lot of that would be public record. Um, and they wouldn't share the documentation with people either. Um, I'm not saying it didn't happen. And if they have the documentation, that's, that's, you know, great, but, um, not great, but you know, at least they'd have that. I'm a big documents person. I love documented history. That's just who I am. I'm a historian. That's what I need to be able to have a concrete, evidence of something happening. Um, I think a lot of it though, could just be now a lot of people probably brought stuff in there. Um, you know, people and opening up to the paranormal field spirits are drawn to that. And so who knows what types of spirits you're drawing to your location. Um, so what originally had started the haunting there, I really can't say, but I think the hauntings probably changed since last time I've been there. Well, the, the people who have documented it, it's gotten nastier. The, since it's the older it's gotten, do you believe there's a cemetery across the street? Could that have anything to do with it? It could. Um, I always look at cemeteries a little differently than some do. And some people will snark at me or they'll say, Oh, that's kind of interesting. Um, I always think of cemeteries as that's a final resting place for a physical body, but maybe not your spirit. Um, because if you are haunting something or a spirit's about, you're probably not with your physical body because you're haunting a location. The energy of a cemetery probably could um, attract spirit activity or could help provide energy. But I don't necessarily, a lot of people say, oh, cemeteries have got to be so haunted. Um, It could, but if I'm a spirit, I'm not going to be with my physical body. I'm going to be haunting somewhere else. Well, that's my theory. It's funny because I was just on yesterday on Sunday, I was out at my uncle's um, grave very yeah. close to me is like a, like a father to me. And, um, I was thinking to myself when I was sitting there by his grave, how my attitude towards cemeteries has changed so much as I've gotten older. Like there, I just, it, it seems very peaceful to me now, a cemetery where mm-hmm. I think maybe when I was 16, I would have thought like, Oh, you know, I don't want to go there at night. 
right? Where mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. I don't have that. I, I kind of, I agree with you on that. And I don't, I don't have the knowledge on, on this field like you do, but it, it's just really uh, cool to hear you say that. I, literally just yesterday I was sitting there and I, I was looking around and I, I had that thought to myself that it's just, it, it doesn't, it feels so peaceful at, at them now. Like it's, I don't know. My, my attitude towards them has changed over the years. Yep. I agree. Yeah, they are. I, I feel they are peaceful as well. We, we enjoy walking through cemeteries. <laughs> okay. Um, so let's say you're a guy like me as we wrap this thing up. Cause then, and then I'm going to get all your information and stuff when we're done here and I'll make sure to put it at the beginning of the podcast so everybody can follow your work. You have sure. th- three books too. And I, I can't wait to, to dive into these. Uh, you wrote one with your husband on haunts in Iowa. Is that correct? Yep. Correct. Awesome. So if somebody is interested in this and they want to do it like the right way, I mean, I guess like anybody could probably call up the Malvern Manor and pay them and stay there. Do you, would you recommend that? Or do you recommend going with some experienced people before you start digging in? I always recommend getting a little bit of background um, on the field, whether it be you just talk to somebody in the field or whether it be you go to events and um, kind of learn some do's and don'ts of investigating, uh, because that's when you can sometimes get yourself in trouble, especially if you're going to a place like Villisca or Malvern. I will say my husband's first investigation was Villisca <laughs> um, before he had any experience and he's fine, but um, it's just a good, it's kind of like, um, you know, doing something without instructions and then you just mess something up. Uh, it's just always good to have a little bit of background on at least the field and ways of investigation. Because again, if you are a novice in this and you go in and you think the only way to get a spirit to come out is to provoke them, probably not going to have the best experience, whether it be you get activity or not. Um, so I definitely would encourage people to at least, uh, yeah, read a book, talk to somebody, go to an event that has a public investigation to just learn a little bit about it. Yeah. Cause that's honestly how my dumb ass probably would think like, Oh, nothing's happening. I'm going to start swearing at it. Right. Like, but that's, <laughs> but we've learned here today why you, why you shouldn't exactly do that. No, I, I think it's really cool. Um, I, again, growing up near Villisca, there's, uh, you guys have a neat, kind of a tight knit community, the investigators in Iowa, it seems like everybody kind of supports one another. And do you, do you guys all keep in touch like that? I'm just, I'm curious about the, cause it's there's there are, you're in pockets all over the state, right? Oh yeah. There's multiple teams across the state of Iowa. Yeah. You know, we try to, uh, you know, be cordial and, and collaborative. Uh, we, we have a few teams around here that, uh, you know, we work with a lot. Um, one actually near, near Des Moines, um, Lowellman paranormal They're They're in the Des Moines area. Uh, and then <clears throat> paranormal exposures there here in Cedar Rapids. Uh, yeah, a lot of teams, you know, we like to get along and, and have fun because we're all, trying to do the same thing here we all want to document paranormal activity and um you know not be enemies in this field you'll you'll hear a lot about paranormal drama and uh we we try to stay out of out of that my whole thing and, and again I, I really do want to come join you and your husband sometime and chronicle it i think it'd be a really neat experience i i would just and this is just my opinion like even if you're a skeptic mm-hmm. like and you go into one of these things and you don't know what you're doing. Like, what if you're wrong? 
right? Like to me, like this whole thing's way bigger than me. This isn't me talking about a football game, right? And like, I, I just think it's a really cool thing to, um, to sign up and go with people like you and your husband and people who actually know what they're doing. And yeah, uh, hopefully everybody can learn something from this. This has been awesome, Katie. I, I, uh, I'm not, I know you have your, your kids and your husband to get to, so I, I, I'll let you go, but I, I could have asked you questions for four hours. I'm not, you're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're a, you're a blessing to us to, to come on the podcast. So thank you so much. This has been really cool. And uh, yeah. keep in touch with us too if you're ever uh, doing any promotions or anything like that. Because I, I think it'd be fun to bring a group of Central Iowans over to hang out with you guys sometime. Just let me know. We're always happy to open up our location. All right. So, and we're not going to provoke anyone either. Okay, like yeah. we're we're uh, we're uh, this has been really cool. So thank you so much. We appreciate you. And um, tell your husband thanks for giving us an hour of your time. And uh, we'll, we'll be in touch. Yeah. All right. All right. Thanks, Chris.